This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I review the Sesh Cocktail Meats Seltzer Hard Seltzer Pack, discuss life-extending Pathfinder supplement, the Sun Orchid Elixir, and take a chunk out of the crushing backlog of Zone of Truth listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. We're back. Back again. Yes. How you doing this morning, Griffin? I'm doing all right. Busy week. Very busy week. We're doing this a little earlier than we normally do. Yes. It's uh, around noontime here in Columbus on a Saturday. Um, we, let's see, we played an exhibition game of Rain of Winter with our buddy Tim on Wednesday. We recorded Carrying Crown on Thursday. Did a couple shots of malevolence last night. And we're about to do some Bestow Curse this afternoon, followed by Drunken Disorderly. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess it is a little busy. Yeah, a little bit busy, but I'm looking forward to kicking back with the Drunken Discordly crew and having a couple alcoholic beverages. Yeah, well overdue. And you guys finished book one of So Cursed, so I'm actually really excited to record today because I have no idea what you guys are going to do. Me too. I have no idea where it's going to go. The finale of book one was climactic. It was very fun. It was cool. It was... Oh boy, um, probably, I don't know about you, because uh, you have a little bit more experience with it than I do, but certainly the longest 2E combat I've ever been in. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a nine-round combat, man. Yeah. Like, that was wild. I remember, jeez, uh, a little bit before we recorded that was when the two of us took our trip up to Cleveland, and I was just kind of shooting the shit. I was a little nervous about the combat coming up. And I said to you, well, you know, Vex a little low on spells and stuff. If it's a short combat, I'll be totally fine. Mm-hmm. If it's a long combat, it's going to be trouble. And oh, it was a long combat. Yeah, you had to pull all the tools out of the toolbox, which, you know. Yeah. You, you were starting to pull like the nails and screws out of the bottom of the toolbox. 100%. That is not an exaggeration. Whew. But yeah, so I'm also very excited to record this afternoon too. Bestow Curse is a whole bunch of fun. Really excited to see where we're going. But besides the Pathfindery stuff and show related stuff that we've been doing, what you been up to, man? You know, I've been hanging out. I uh, started watching a show on Netflix that is kind of cute. It's called Dead End Paranormal Park. Never heard of it. Uh, it's one of their new animated shows. There's kind of like two main characters that get jobs at this amusement park, but the amusement park is like kind of haunted kind of full of demons okay but it's like a kid show (laughs) so like the first episode involves like these demons trying to bring back a demon lord and it ends up possessing the main character's pug (laughs) and uh and then that pug has like a demonic taint for the rest of the show so it can like talk which is pretty funny but uh it's a it's a cute show it's um i think like these streaming services are starting to put out cartoons that are pretty darn on par with the kind of stuff you'd get off of like Cartoon Network and that kind of stuff. So sure. So yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. But other than that, I really haven't been up to too much, man. I've been uh, been prepping a lot of stuff for this week and work's been pretty busy. Yeah, likewise, work's been pretty wild for me too. And frankly, because we had to slot this record at this time, I don't feel like there's been any time for us to really do anything besides prep for stuff yeah between the last one and now because we've had we've had limited weeks yeah i've got my brother and a a friend from college coming to visit next weekend and i truly don't know how i'm going to be ready for that part of the reason why we're recording today anyway um the things that i have been able to slot in have been pretty fun so i have been watching a bunch more documentaries on netflix when i have the opportunity to the one that i'm on right now is called worst roommate ever it's actually a netflix and blumhouse production so you know like blumhouse does virtually every horror movie these days so they collabs with netflix and made this documentary series each one of the episodes is its own story or situation it's basically all different stories of people who found out that their roommate was a killer or were killed by their roommate. Oh, so it's pretty intense. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm about three episodes into it and um, they do a really good job of 
interviewing the people that are survivors, and I found myself getting quite emotional towards the end of both episodes one and two. Like, they do a good job of focusing on the people that are left over and and telling their stories in a way that I feel like some other killer documentaries are more focused on the on the actions of the killer themselves so you know you'll watch like ted bundy and it's basically like horror porn and they never like really talk about like the people that are leftovers i've been enjoying it from that perspective Um, a new single just dropped that i've been listening to on repeat it's a collab between one of my favorite bands in the world enter shikari and a band called wargasm never listened to them before but great name Uh, (laughs) it's called the void stares back. And the first time I listened to it, I was like, whoa, this song is a mess because there's a lot going on. Enter Shikari can get pretty experimental when they want to. And then I listened to it one more time and I was like, this could be the best song ever. I'm totally obsessed with it. I listened to it multiple times a day. And then finally, we don't need to get into it too much, keeping the audience in mind and their patience for my bullshit. But I have been listening to the Twilight Effect podcast which is put on by Ashley Green, who played Alice in the Twilight movies. And basically her and her friend are rewatching all of the movies and then having a bunch of the people involved with them on. So like they have Kellen Lutz, who played Emmett on for an episode. They have Peter Facinelli on, who played Carlisle. And uh, the episode that I'm about to listen to, they actually have Catherine Hardwick on, who directed the first Twilight. So you get a lot of really cool behind the scenes show like stuff. And honestly, that's kind of the most exciting part about it. You hear all these crazy stories from behind the scenes and like how this global phenomenon that these movies were changed these people's lives, most of which were, you know, they were all kind of nobodies, right? Yeah. And then they all were the most famous people in the world for a while. And then what happens to you afterwards when you're no longer the most famous person? When you're not either Robert Benson or Kristen Stewart. Exactly. Yeah. So did uh, did the guy that played Emmett talk about why he had a bag of, 12 hard-boiled eggs. Uh, I believe that, yeah, that came up. It was because he was coming off of another movie that he did where he was playing a soldier. And him and his buddies on that movie were bulking up, so they're eating a lot of eggs. And he kept eating eggs when he was playing Emmett because Emmett's supposed to be a big, strong vampire dude. And the director, Catherine Hardwick, was like, it's funny that you have a bag of eggs, so uh, just bring them on. Bring it on to... <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> and it's in the movie. It yeah. makes no sense, but it's funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so... So fuck it. That's such a fucking dumb reason. It, it is. <laughs> but, like, that's the kind of stuff that you learn, and it's fun. Um, okay. I will say, uh, I, I also have dipped my toes into trying to drink tequila straight. Oh, um, so do you have a particular brand? I you've mean, been, uh, right now I'm drinking, I think it's Casamigos Raspardo, however the fuck you say it. But if anyone that listens has a more refined tequila palette that has recommendations that aren't like ridiculously expensive celebrity tequilas and whatever, I'm willing to try them. I, I kind of think I might end up leaning more towards like the smoky flavors, but, um, but right now. I think, isn't Casamigos the George Clooney tequila? It might be. I think it is. Who knows? But that's interesting, man. I, 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 I got to try that with you sometime. I never really like have sipped on tequila. And I feel like a good tequila I could get into. Yeah. I've been, I, I have I've so been... many bad associations with shitty tequila, right? Yeah. Like taking well shots at college bars, you know? It's like, I want to move past that break that sense memory the whole two episodes we recorded last night drinking that tequila rock and roll man okay well here we go seltzer review pack sesh cocktail meat seltzer pack before we get into this i was talking a little bit to Haley before we started recording oftentimes when we review seltzers on this show i come into them kind of expecting some of the wilder ones to be bad but i'm never rooting against a seltzer pack i never want something to be bad you know you never want to see anybody fail that's poor taste i'm rooting against this pack today Uh oh yeah i've never tried it before i want them to fail and we're, we're about to talk about why so we're gonna start reading a lot of copy from the website griff do you want to take turns with the paragraphs yeah all right this is straight from the website have you been looking for an amazing tasting canned cocktail without all the sugar calories and other bullshit so were we it all started during a sesh 
or a hang or whatever you want to call it when you get together with your favorite people over drinks, we realized we had a problem. It was the trade-off that we were forced to make with our drinks. Carb-filled beer, sugary mixers, expensive cocktails, or fruity but flavorless seltzer all fell short. One of our co-founders, Nate, was a college athlete and is a type 1 diabetic, so he has always been hyper-aware of sugar and carb content. Our other co-founder, Zeke, comes from a long line of spirits pioneers, which instilled in him respect and high standards for authentic flavors. First and foremost, we wanted a drink we'd actually enjoy with people we actually enjoy. As with our choices and friends, we wanted it to have taste, so we combined the rich and genuine flavor profiles of cocktails with the low-calorie, low-carb, and low-sugar format of a spiked seltzer to create sesh. All right, almost done, people. We have finally satisfied our unquenchable desire to have it all in a cocktail that we could enjoy all night without ruining the next day. We believe bold flavors worth drinking should bring people together, create meaningful experiences, and most of all, not make any compromises. So here's to the next thousand get-togethers, and to the better drinks that fuel them. Here's to the next sesh. Now, there are some red flags in there, kind of douchey copy, not all of it's terrible, but last night, when we were getting together before we recorded some malevolence, we really dived into what sesh is and where it comes from. And so uh, at this point, I'd like to bring in Haley, <laughs> who, who did a lot of homework on this and uh, has something to sesh. say. So there are these two founders, Nate and Zeke. Zeke, who from the website comes from this what long history of... Long story line of liquor. Spirit pioneers. Yeah. His family's incredibly wealthy, guys. Like, his dad has a Wikipedia page about him because his dad's parents, one was the founder of Lehman Brothers and the other one was the founder or, like, director of American Express. So I don't know what kind of spirits pioneers, but they've got, like, seven businesses and are worth millions. And half the businesses are also, like, charity and... Philanthropic. Thank you. Businesses. And so it's, it's one of those things where like his dad's got nine kids and at least three of them are all starting their own business as well. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is one of them. So it's, there's that. And so I, I don't know anything about the other guy. Really um, cool. Uh, he, he became friends with this guy who clearly um, I believe that there's probably some help there. So um, this is this is like the uh, African Emerald Mines funding uh, Tesla, right? Except this is a shitty seltzer company. Right. This is like waspy Wall Street investment banker bullshit trying to pass off cocktails as seltzers. They're, Even in they're the copy, twenty-two years old. The founders and CEOs are twenty-two years. Yeah. Old. So they have a long storied history with with alcohol. Anyway, as with our <laughs> choices and friends, we wanted it to have taste. Because you only hang out with other waspy rich people. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, there are a lot of red flags here. What about the other guy? Was there anything about the other guy? No, um, he's just, he is a, a type one diabetic and um, a college athlete. And that truly is the only thing that you can really find about him. Because I don't think that he comes from the same type of family line. And, and you know what? Great. But That's like, fine. when you look at the box itself and flip it over, it says 5% of profits go to charity. And it's like, okay, you know what? Sure. Maybe this came from a not great place, but they're giving back to the people, right? And then immediately under it is asterisk up to $50,000. And I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. If you own Lehman Brothers, like, fuck off. (laughs) $50,000 is fucking nothing. Stop. I mean, it's a lot of money to me, but like, it'd be a lot of money. It'd be a lot of money if it was like, a not investment bank funded seltzer company. Yeah. Like if it was just an actual, like, this is our first business startup. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if it with, truly came from like a dorm and daddy room. angel investors. Yes. So I think we found the next villains of the podcast. Um, <laughs> if these are good, I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah. That we, yeah. We, we, this is something that came up as well. Like we don't want these to be good. We're going to be angry if they are. Haley also found me a review from a potentially equally as douchey website. You're welcome. Dude.co. How many U's are there? That's three U's. The title of the review is Sesh, where cocktails and seltzers hook up. I'll tell you what, anybody 
who wants to laugh should read this review. It, it gives you me insane whiplash. Creators of Sesh mix up the, the idea in their dorm rooms. Don't most killer ideas start there? Uh, test out the flavors and mix drinks to see if, if Sesh was well in Sesh. See what we did there. But then like they'll whiplash me into is the home of the inspiration to deliver a more authentic product that aligns with consumer macro trends, health and wellness, premium and purpose driven products. Okay, okay. Fuck? I've been thinking about this after you said this earlier. I do believe that this is written as if you are the high school senior who's in his summer about to go into college <laughs> and both is trying to be more adult but also wants to be cool yes, for college. Like 100%. that is 100% the balance this person is trying to do. It's that senior summer. You, you know what I really love about this is that like all of this copy and these reviews are talking about how this is like some kind of innovation as if every major seltzer company hasn't released a cocktail pack by this point. Right. One hundred percent. This is a, this is an innovation circa 2017. <laughs> yeah, that's this is, this absolutely is an innovation correct. Before the founders of this company turned 18. <laughs> But they do have a long story. They have a long story in alcohol history and tradition and respect for it. <laughs> that's why that's why they came up with their alcohol business in a dorm room. For Holy crap. Sakes. They were born in 2000 then if they're 22. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't know if you wanted to feel that age, Steve. Nope. <laughs> cool. 9-11 happened pretty much right outside the womb. Damn, that's rough. Poof. Okay. Um, all right. 6% ABV, zero grams of sugar, 120 calories. We got four different varietals here. One of them is the Moscow Mule. One of them's Mojito. One of them's Gin and Tonic. One of them is Paloma. So I guess it's probably time for us to start tasting these after I grade how we would rate the seltzers. Honestly, this grading scale would be very different if I knew ahead of time when I was writing this agenda that they were shitty trust fund kids. But so the creators of Sesh came up with this in their dorm room. So that's also how we'll grade the seltzers. A one out of five is living in a building with no AC. That's pretty awful. Two is communal showers. Although to some that might be higher than two. For me, it was a two out of five. Three, an RA that's a little too friendly. Four, a wild dorm room party. And the best thing about dorms is five out of five moving out of the dorms. Do you think the founders of this company ever experienced one or two? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. Yeah. Probably no, not. probably not. They Never were, in their lives. They, they were in the dorm that their parents' name is on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. All right, Moscow Mule. You want to uh, read the copy from the website here, Griff? Yeah, let me let me find the Moscow Mule here. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I, I do have these in order. Okay, perfect. Well, the Moscow Mule... Warm yet refreshing, edgy yet comforting, gingery yet limey, classic yet canned. This portable version of the legendary Moscow Mule includes all the complexities, contradictions, and characters of the original. Copper mug not required. Okay, yeah, all right. And, and you, you usually don't review cocktails in a can in this segment, but oh, these are specifically seltzers. Right, these yeah. are not, I want to call that out because that's actually, mm -hmm. that is kind of unique, I guess. Some cocktails in a can right they're actually a seltzer mixed with an alcohol this is just a seltzer but is it good that's the worst fucking moscow mule i've had that's in my entire dog life shit. <laughs> that's so fucking oh bad i did dude I, that tastes flat how does that taste flat it's way sweet i'm getting zero ginger well maybe like one <laughs> percent ginger, ginger there, but it's just like Oh God! Yeah, I kind that's. I want to try it. I know it's gonna be bad. I will say. I mean, I don't have like a bad aftertaste. Like it's not that's sticking around. But oh, the taste is right because there's not anything to write home about. It's not actively gross. It's just a huge disappointment. Really, I feel like if I drink like three sips of that, I'm gonna get a headache. Well, let me get another sip of that. You know what? Yeah, let me give that a try again. Yeah, you know what? This achieves nothing. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty similar to the founders in that respect, right? <laughs> it achieves nothing on its own. Oh, boy. Yeah, my initial taste was that I was going to give it a two out of five. And then you encouraged me to go back for another one. That's living in a building with no AC. That's, that's awful. Yeah, I think that's pretty bottom of the barrel right there. It's really bad. The fact that their copy, like, specifically calls out seltzers for having no flavor 
And then they put that out. Fuck off. <laughs> Good God. All right. Next one up is the mojito. All beach, no sand. That's what's inside this mojito can. That and a bold, flavorful combo of mint and lime. It's for the spirited type who wants to kick off a party or kick off the flip-flops. Either way, kick back and enjoy. So I'm kicking off and kicking back. And kicking off again. So many times they use the word kick in the fucking copy. Yeah, well, hopefully this one's not a kick in the pants. Okay. <laughs> See your face, man. You gotta be fucking kidding me. This <laughs> tastes like Trident gum. It does. It's uh, come mint, on, it's mint dude. seltzer. It come is mint on, seltzer. Dude. Spearmint seltzer, because there's a little bit of a sweetness dude, to it. Dude, that's like I just got fucking paid in Trident layers. When we record Bestow Curse later, I'm going to be drinking the Dua Lipa Truly that's got the mojito. Yeah, that's, that's infinitely that's a, that's better. That's a great mojito. This is literally a, a stick of gum in a can. Cool, that's minty. Yeah, it's, it's spearmint. That's what it is. I do appreciate it that I removed the entirety of the previous seltzer's flavor, though. So. Yeah, that's true. It's a great <laughs> palate cleanser, I guess. Uh, if you like the taste of swallowing gum... Like if you're one of those people that doesn't give a fuck and just swallows all their gum, you're going to love that one. It's another fucking living in the building with no AC, man. I, I just can't believe that's a thing. I really thought these would end up being good and you'd hate that they were good, Steve. I'm and- so happy they're bad. And that's that's a wild statement. If the can said spearmint seltzer, I could see myself giving this a communal showers. Yeah, but no, the, I guess the that's mojito. the promise of the premise, right? Uh, and the promise of the premise is completely fucking failed. So that's living in a building with no AC. Yeah. Okay. So we got a gin and tonic. This one's actually the one I was most afraid of when we when we started. The copy on this, yeah, couldn't be crazier. This respected classic gin and tonic once protected British troops from malaria. It now protects you from boring. All of the fresh botanical bartender mix taste, none of the sugar, mixing, or waiting. Because a gin and tonic traditionally contains a ton of sugar. Fucking, oh yeah, of course it does. The marketing professional that wrote the first two sentences should be fucking fired. The first thing that I want to think about when I'm drinking a cocktail in a can is malaria. (laughs) God. What are they doing with the botanicals? What the fuck are they doing, Steve? That's... I I would rather have malaria. That sucks. That's awful. Oh, God. God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Fuck, fuck. Oh. Give, me oh. some, give me some spearmint. <laughs> That's on a different level than the other two. That's so bad. I, Can you go lower? I might. I might give that a zero. <laughs> this is this is like moved into an overcrowded dorm where they had to put three people in a two-person room. I don't even Ooh, have that the happened. Words. They changed a study hall into a dorm. I think that's exactly my what this eyes, is. My eyes are watering. That was so bad. I don't have the words to explain the flavor. It's like sour, which I know sometimes with tonic, you can get like little soury, a little strange. Oh boy. Um, I guess there's like sour lime in shitty seltzer water. I definitely yeah, like, don't get any actual gin flavor. What they yeah, were I trying, the, I get like the sometimes piney taste. Oh yeah, I mean major swing and a miss the, though. Like that's from the botanical. Yeah, it's just just so bad. Um, I'm gonna say I, I'm, I'm gonna make a call it here. It tastes like if you ate potpourri. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I don't think we were allowed to give it a zero, but I'm making a call here. This is a zero point five. Living in a building with no AC or running water. Uh, <laughs> this is fucking horrible. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are loving the botanicals because the next pack I have for you guys is all botanicals too. God, fuck. <laughs> all right, what are you giving this, Griff? Yeah, the, the worst possible score. <laughs> 0.5. Yeah, if that's the worst we could go, that's where I'm taking it. Yeah, okay. Uh, last one is Paloma. And I think you'd probably be pretty excited for this one because you're on a little bit of a tequila kick. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to deliver, Steve. <laughs> tequila drinks have always had a fun reputation and our inspired take on a modern... <laughs> I can't fucking read this. Modern... 
Just, I know it's gonna be bad. Modern classic Paloma keeps that reputation alive. Doubt. Uh, one refreshing, refreshing, I'm losing it. Sip at a time. It's bubbly bite of grapefruit and sweet, sour ambiguity are welcome guests at any occasion. This whole thing sounds like they're trying to pitch us to like, drink, to like keep drinking these. 100%. Okay, here we go. I can't believe we have a 12 pack of this. <sighs> Smell? Number one in Florida. Yeah, in Florida, they also do meth and eat each other's faces, Haley. <laughs> it's not a fucking good indicator. Wow. <laughs> go, go ahead, Griff. Oh! <laughs> oh! That smells like gym socks! <laughs> Should you have the spearmint on deck? Uh, <laughs> Haley, yeah, Haley, get the, get the spearmint over head, head of your way. <laughs> What the fuck, dude? It smells bad. Oh my god, that, that's actually making my stomach crawl. Ugh. Why does it smell so bad oh, like I that? I don't know, no, I don't know. It no, smells like Haley, Haley, do not taste that without the spearmint on hand. You're gonna need it. Why is the fucking spear, the gum flavored seltzer the best one in this pack? Because it settles your stomach. We're, we're gonna be fighting over a one out of five at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's actually gag-inducing. Oh. oh, God. Why does it smell like sweat? You're very right. It, it smells like dirty socks. It smells like sweat. I... <laughs> in light of recent events, huh? I cannot allow this to be graded. How has it got worse and worse? <laughs> it's just got it's just gotten worse. You're allowed to go zero out of five, which is exactly what I'm giving this. And this is just um We worse. never go off the scale. This, that says something. Alright, you know this what? Is, this yeah. is literally like oops dropped out. Yeah, this o is oops dropped out. This is worst roommate ever, the fucking Blumhouse edition, murdered in the dorm. <laughs> murdered in the oops, dorm. My roommate's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that was horrific. Um, <laughs> are you also going zero out of five? Or are you going to give it a point? Can we go negative? <laughs> I don't think that's suitable for human consumption. I genuinely hate when people go off of the scales. Like, yeah, I, I but do, like, but like, there is no other way to describe if this. If I were to compare this to any other seltzer pack, none of these breaches won. Like, we're trying to do a one to five scale because we do that for every pack. Mm -hmm. If this got on the bad boy list, I would be pissed. Like, yeah. if I had to drink this, I would be very frustrated. Oh my oh, God. I'm so furious. I've had Malort cocktails that I would take over all of this 10 times out of 10. All right, Steve. 100. Malort milkshake or one of these? I mean, uh, probably this side take the cocktail yeah. that side take the shake the moscow mule i love malort that milkshake was horrific Correct. excuse me i it, this is just destroying my body and i've only had steps um yeah i would take the mule and the spearmint i'm not even calling it a mojito the spearmint over the malort milkshake uh yeah this I, is like the wrigley's spearmint That's this is exactly a tough what one it is i'll tell you what i think gin and tonic is just a fucking flop i don't know what they were going for there but the paloma is down there with those warhead vomit seltzers maybe debatably in some ways worse in some ways worse because i think the warhead one like it smelled like vomit, mm -hmm. but it was like so sour that you could kind of lose the flavor yeah, of it. You pinch your nose, like yeah, you're fine. You kind of lose the flavor. I mean, this one, like, not only does it smell horrific, but like it tastes inedible. Well, you're very welcome for the seltzer pack that I found. You really did us dirty on this one. <laughs> I mean, who knew? Like, these are these are Wall Street <laughs> fucked us. Yeah, yeah, Wall Street fucked us. But like, but in the classic way, like these are like all black cans, like super nice looking. They again, look so like, sweet. Again, yeah. like clearly paid for marketing. Like clearly, all of this copy was like, you know, a, an experienced marketing person. These two kids didn't come up with this shit. All right, so I'm glad that you guys have now reviewed them. I will say that the only review on Drizzly, which is where I considered order these from, and I yep. couldn't, I had to get them from GoPuff, which they're very big on GoPuff. Okay. It was actually from another Haley. 
that wasn't me. Oh, sure. Okay. And it's a one out of five. <laughs> it says, I'm honestly really disappointed in this product. Palomas are my normal drink at a bar, and this doesn't taste anything like a Paloma. Not to mention that it has this awful artificial sweetener taste. It was the only booze I brought to function, so I had to drink it while I was trying not to gag the entire time. Sounds right. Yeah, it sounds absolutely spot on. Spot on. Uh, spot, I couldn't spot have said on other Haley Andreasley. Okay, so we got to divide these up because we got to get through the rest of this, F- this God, episode. This is, wow, this that, is, that really stopped us in our tracks. This is real um, fucking Sophie's <laughs> Choice right here. So I think it goes without saying, Spearmint and Paloma are married. Like, yeah, if, you, if you're taking yeah. the Spearmint, which is by far and away the best, um, you got to jump on the Paloma grenade. I mean, you just so, need to, you're not going to get through the episode if you take the Paloma and you don't have the Spearmint chaser. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, so... <laughs> I don't know, man. I could go either way on this. I know I like gin and tonic. I mean, that's not a gin and tonic, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you want, man? I mean, my st- my like, stomach- I know the answer is neither. My st- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like looking back on my one star Moscow Mule and it's like, wow, the Moscow Mule looks like a fucking oasis in a desert compared to the rest of these. <laughs> If we graded on a curve, the Moscow Mule and Spearmints would be like A pluses. I think, I think yeah. Spearmint would be a five if we're grading on a curve. Yeah, absolutely. And the Moscow Mule would be a solid four. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Christ. With gin and tonic, tonic being I'm a just, two. I'm no just, fucking wonder we're in a recession if these people are running the economy. I'm so fucking terrified. I, I mean, I gotta do it. I'm GMing later. I'm GMing later. I'm taking these. I'm GMing later. Okay. I'm not going to do the Paloma. The Paloma, I literally felt that in like my (laughs) Vegas nerve. Like I felt like I was going to faint drinking that. These aren't carbonated. They don't look carbonated. Why are there not bubbles? They're kind of flat. Yeah. They're supposed to be carbonated. Oh, fuck. That Paloma sucks. Asshole. (laughs) God, it's so fucking bad. Um, Oh, God. Should I just do it in one go? I mean, it's six percent. Though I'm gonna be like fucked up if I do that. That's a bad idea. Yeah, I forgot these are six percent. That's literally the only reason. Not worth it. Like Jesus. Um, we gotta talk about the Sun Orchid Elixir. This—that's the opposite of these. Yeah. Opposite (laughs) of these. Okay. (laughs) You okay, man? This is. These are really, really fucking bad, dude. We might have to end this episode. (laughs) Try to get through the GNT, man. Just okay. go ahead. Go all off. Right. Go all off right. with the Sun Orchid Elixir. You wrote great notes. Okay, so I'm going to tell you all a little bit about the Sun Orchid Elixir because it came up in the show. We're going to ask Griff how exactly it uh, factors in and what's going on there. Fabled Sun Orchid Elixir is much sought after for its ability to temporarily halt the aging process, restoring the drinker to the age of its race's young adults. Effectively, this is a serum of life or water from the fountain of youth, essentially. It was found or created by an alchemist in Thuvia, which is a country that I believe is a pretty arid or desert-like climate. The alchemist's name is Artokis Kirin. I'm going to talk a little bit more about him in a little bit. And notably, it was found in 1140 AR. I think about like 3,500 or 3,600 years before current day in Pathfinder. Been around a while. Been around a while, indeed. Very difficult and dangerous to make. He is the only person in the entire world who has been able to successfully make the Sun Orchid Elixir, though others have tried to replicate it. Key ingredient is... Uh, nectar from the sun orchid flower, of course. The thing about that and the thing why, you know, Thuvia is important here is because the only place in the entire world of Galarian you can find that flower is in Thuvia's desert. Very dangerous to get to. There are genies, there are roving bands of marauders, these people called the water lords, basically roving bandit tribes that will ambush people who are just trying to find this Sun Orchid elixir, or rather the Sun Orchid to make the elixir. So a little bit of history here in 1141 AR, <clears throat> excuse me, it's fucking long. Dude, I got to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. They just sent us a ranking of cocktail seltzers from worst to best. Okay. Let's <laughs> check this out here. It's uh, 30th out of 31. The pack is 30th out of 31. The only worse is Reed's Classic Mule. By the way, number 29 was another pack that I considered getting you guys, but instead I got you this one. Can't wait to do that sometimes. Like there aren't even like buzz balls are 27. Well, so here's the thing is 29 is from the same creators as Fort Loco. 
Yeah, those gross ones that Haley had are 25. Which one? The Ondas or whatever. Oh, yeah. Downstairs. Yeah. I'm trying to find something that I've seen. Something that is common. Hey, uh, better on draft agreed with us that mojito was the best flavor. Like the Wait, Moscow Mule is a close second, sure. So the Crown Royal mixes. Two chicks are, is fifteen, and I like love two chicks. Halfway down the list, uh-huh. I've seen them. Two chicks is good. amazing. That's the one. That's the elder flower one that I had. Like the Bacardis are ten. I'm jumping to. Yeah. We've had those Bacardis before. Yeah, I don't. I don't recognize a lot of the top ones at all. No, but they've got some high reviews. Yeah, let's uh. Let's shoot for the top of the list one of these times, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't look anything up about this before yeah, I got them. That is true. In Haley's defense, this was purely shooting from the hip. Yeah. Okay, back to the Sun Orchid Elixir. All Sorry right. for the digression. but So when knowledge about the Sun Orchid Elixir got out outside of Thuvia, a bunch of foreign nations decided to lay siege to the city that this alchemist, Artokis, was living in, a city called Marab, to try and get the elixir. So... Marab turns to the other four city-states in Thuvia, and they all band together and form an alliance to defend this person in his laboratory. So the rulers of the city-states agreed to come up with this kind of unique system as opposed to distributing it widely or taking it for themselves. So they decreed that the only person in their entire country who is allowed to take the elixir is Artokis and the rest would be sold to people outside of Thuvia as a way to support the Thuvian economy. So the supply of the elixir is very rigorously controlled. Basically, every year, a blind mute servant emerges from the citadel with six vials, which goes to one of the five city-states, which rotates every year to auction them off to foreigners. The foreigners participate in a blind bid, so they bid whatever they think the elixir is worth or what they think is going to beat out the people that they are going up against and the top six people that bid get one of the elixir vials and have to pay for it the thing is though everybody else that had a losing bid also has to pay so that incentivizes people to bid as highly as you are able to because if you are number seven or below you're still going to be paying and not get anything for it. A little sneaky there. A note about Artokis, the alchemist himself, is that he hasn't been seen in living memory, but the vials keep coming. So there are people that hypothesize that he's not still around or what have you. But I think he is because he has a full page or few pages in the Lost Omens Legends book. So you can read all about him and all of his other alchemical creations that he is responsible for as well, because he is not just the creator of the Sun Orchid Elixir. He is also very good at a lot of other stuff. If you want to learn more about Thuvia too and how they interact with the Sun Orchid Elixir, both Inner Sea World Guides for first and second edition have some very interesting information to learn about them. I think I'm going to pass it over here, Griff. How does this fit into our campaign today? Well, notably, Countess Calafazo is one of the people historically that has won a vial of the Sun Orchid Elixir. And she is kind of a... She's obsessed with youth. That's kind of her MO. She's mm-hmm. been around for a very long time because of the Sun Orchid Elixir, and she's obsessed with looking young. You see it in like the people she's employing now, where she's trying to employ people to create some other way for her to stay young forever that isn't reliant on her bidding a kingdom's worth of gold or whatever. But she started her quest to agelessness by purchasing a vial. And she has been using that for hundreds of years, that vial, and has now like given the dregs of it to people that she's employing to research, to try and either figure out this elixir, figure out like the properties of it to recreate it, or figure out a way to create it using other ingredients, that kind of thing. So trying to reverse engineer it. So that's where it comes into the story. It's in this lab because of that research. Notably, Ramoska Arkminos is kind of an ageless alchemist himself. Sure. He's hundreds of years old and is kind of in the right place at the right time to swoop in because he's one of the other counts of Califas's kind of right-hand man. So he has an easy in with Countess Califazo. 
and is hired by her with ulterior motives, obviously. Excellent. Yeah, the Sun Orchid Elixir itself is super interesting. I'm fascinated by it. I think there's a module coming up shortly that takes place in Thuvia. So I'm wondering. Yeah, but if notably, that's gonna... it doesn't have anything to do with the summer. Oh, really? Yeah, they, okay. they did mention that because they said, like, hey, Thuvia is really cool, but all we really explored it for <laughs> is like this elixir. So we're going to do an adventure there that's entirely not about the summer elixir. That's probably a good move. I mean, I'm sure there'll be like references to it and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's the, the adventure itself is not about the elixir. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, there's there must be some sort of references. I mean, the entire country's economy is built around it, right? It's like yeah. lots of tourism, lots of people supporting all of these people that come into town to try and bid and stuff, and their retinue that they bring along with them. Fascinating kinda, corner of the world. It kind of reminds me of the Trappist monks in Belgium that like make a limited quantity of their just like centuries old beer recipe, Ooh. and it's like you can only get it at the monastery. And it's highly rated as one of the best beers in the world, but they just it kind of like this where it's like there's six vials a year. They do X amount of batches a year and that's it. And it funds the whole monastery. I wonder if that's where the inspiration came from, because that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds it's, it's super very, familiar. It's a very similar concept. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Again, yeah, they just have this like hundreds, if not thousands of years old tradition <laughs> and process that only they know. And they create this insanely good beer because of it. And like you can buy it, but you got to like walk up to the monastery and you can get like a little six pack of it. Nice. How cool. All right. Anything else you wanted to discuss? That was kind of quick, but I don't know that there's a ton to talk about there. And I do want to get through as many of these questions as possible. No, I mean, I think the only parts we didn't touch on are like mechanically. It's like a caster level 17th item. You know, it's like really necromantic in nature because healing spells normally are a part of necromancy and this is potentially some sort of healing that keeps you young but it's like an artifact level consumable hell yeah all right listener question time backlog time on this special edition of the zone of truth instead of doing the customary three to four listener questions your hosts will be responding to as many questions from the bank as possible until we need to start our next recording session later today i've got a lot of questions we're going to try and do a lot of them i know we're not even going to make a dent i have 22 pages of questions it's a lot granted there's spaces in between these questions to help me keep my sanity when i'm scrolling through them but we got a lot here we're going to be seeing some newer ones we're going to be seeing some older ones and please keep them coming even though we do have the 22 pages here i love seeing new questions and asking us new things so by all means don't take that as a signal to stop sending us stuff we want to keep hearing from you all right so Hydroflare asks us on December 4th of 2019. Oh boy. Do you as a group enjoy horror video games like Dead by Daylight? Griff, have you ever played a horror video game? I have. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't terribly enjoy it. I mm-hmm. think most horror video games rely on the jump scare. And, yeah. uh, and I'm kind of the same way with horror movies. I don't love the jump scare. So kind of ruins it for me. I'm going to answer this and then I'm going to be on my way out so that I can let everybody in for the next episode. But... I don't like horror video games, but I do love a good, cozy gothic vibe. Oh, sure. And so those are fun. So they have that like little bit of spooky, creepy, just like the bloody hell hotel that I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to. That is a one that has like both a cozy vibe, but also the like little gothic horror vibe. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> Anyways, I'm also on my way out. Rock and roll. Thanks for joining us, Haley. Uh, tell you what, head downstairs and how about you crack into a sesh cocktail seltzer? Fuck no. <laughs> all right. Who? All right. Bipolar Pop-Tart asks, what are some... What about you? Oh, wait. Yeah. Um, I, I always try to enjoy horror video games and then give up like three hours into the story. It happened to me with Resident Evil 7. Happened to me with The Evil Within. I actually finished Evil Within. It was the second Evil Within that I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just so stressed. I think it was the very first game that I purchased full price and did not finish because it legitimately gave me nightmares as an adult was Alien Isolation. That game was fucking terrifying. And Alien is like sci-fi horror. Like I never have gotten scared watching an Alien movie. Right. The game is terrifying. Yep. It's just that extra level of immersion. Exactly. Okay. Bipolar Pop-Tart asks, what are some holiday themed monsters you can think of 
or already know about? And do you think the party could take them? You know any holiday-themed monsters, Griff? Yeah, there's kind of all kinds of stuff. There's like Krampus, which yep. is obviously a christmas scene thing. I would argue that Scarecrows, and I think there's like a jack-o'-lantern version of that, are kind of Halloween-themed. It's kind of hard with Halloween because like every scary thing kind of works in a Halloween-themed yeah. setting. Isn't there like a Headless Horseman or something, like a Nicobog Crane? Yeah, thing? there's a Dullahan yeah. would do that. Um, yeah, which we fought. I mean, there's certainly leprechauns. I mean, those aren't strong to you now. They're kind of a cool lower level enemy for St. Patrick's is what I was going to say there. I don't know if you consider this a holiday, but you got tooth fairies. That's a thing. That's a special yeah. occasion monster, I special, guess. Yeah, special occasion monster. Which uh, we could definitely take unless there were like a billion of them. I believe there's like some kind of a Jack Frost style creature. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, It's got to be out there. I'm sure they've, I, I can't think of the name particularly, but there's... I think there's like a, a snowman type creature that would fit in for, I guess, Christmas time as well. But I think, you know, monsters are usually more seasonal mm-hmm. in Pathfinder than referring to directly to holidays. Sure. Like there's not a, like, Jesus Christ <laughs> statted up or demigod. I'm trying to think of like other holidays that like aren't like fucking Christian calendar stuff that there's stuff for. I think there's like Has a, a turkey ever been statted out Thanksgiving. I'm sure there's a turkey that's statted. Uh, there's uh, what's it called? Like a jackalope. I think there's a jackalope, which kind of works for like Easter bunny. Mm. Uh, there's also like the banicula thing from Book of the Dead. That would work for the Easter bunny. There's some of, sort of like a Cupid thing for Valentine's Day. I don't know. Like pixies kind of fit. I bet there's some sort of, yeah, like Faye that does enchantment that looks like a kid in a diaper or something. I bet that's out there. All right. Next question here. There's the entire nation of Galt for Bastille Day. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) Who broke that gooch tart on the 14th? Uh, That's Bippy as well, just with a really old name. Yes. The 14th of March, 2020. What's the most broken math finder combination you found so far? I don't know if it, if you consider it broken or not, but I remember your Inquisitor in Tim's return game was fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, that's just like an Inquisitor with maxed out. Right. A- any character with maxed out archery feats tends to be like the top tier of martial characters. And then when you add into that, like Greater Bane and that kind of shit, like that really pumps up the damage of oh, an yeah. arrow. Uh, you had like named bullets and stuff too. Yeah, you could cast named bullet as an Inquisitor. You do some other cool stuff, but you never get some of the top tier like fighter or ranger archery feats, which kind of make up for the extra damage. But yeah, like getting stuff like clustered shot is really nice. Like you can only really get that on a regular melee attacker if you're using like pummeling style for fists. Mm -hmm. So chunking through DR is really nice. I think strongest stuff in the game is probably like... I mean, obviously, your wizards, your exploiter wizard is just a better arcanist. Like, Tulia is what I would consider one of the more broken combinations in the game mm-hmm. because it's got the two stacking archetypes the exploiter wizard and the packed wizard. Packed, yeah. The version of packed wizard that does stack, because there's two versions of that archetype, but the one that does stack with exploiter wizard, and that just gives you like so much flexibility because of the exploiter wizard versus a regular wizard and I believe like a mystery or something from the pact wizard and some other bullshit it just gets crazy strong because you're adding extra oh shit buttons and extra versatility to an already like god tier versatile class that is the wizard when they get to higher levels with spells hell yeah I always hear about the synthesis summoner being broken. I've never played one or really looked at the build myself because I'm just like, uh, I know this is broken. I never want to play something. Yeah, that was when I was beating the shit out of you guys with Jasmine Phoenix and that Mm. one evil interlude. She was a synthesis summoner and I purposely picked that because I knew it was OP. (laughs) But it is very OP. It's just like, okay, I'm a really good caster in the body of a, like, better than a fighter with as many... I guess, natural attacks as I want, kind of. Um, I actually think the Master Summoner is more powerful because you end up with every summon as a standard action. Your summons are, I think, as a summoner normally gets, you get, like, spontaneous casting of summoning spells so you can swap up out any of your spells for a summon, and you get to summon, like, multiples of shit, and so you just end up with way too much stuff on a battlefield. 
and you destroy the action economy. Nice. Hey, I got to take a second here. I, I've made so little progress on this Pomoma. Fuck, I yeah, can't see. I'm, I got about a third of the gin and tonic left. I've been really like, yeah, I'm somewhere I'm focusing somewhere like- fire on the gin and tonic to mm-hmm. to get to the other one, which I think is still going to give me a headache. All right, this question comes from Steve is handsome and funny. Um, Steve, are you trying to seduce me because it's working? Um, I don't remember who this is, so probably. Next question. Um, Krusty Crust asks, favorite chess piece? That's a fun question. Favorite chess piece? I have a very quick answer to that. It's the Rook. I love the Rook. I love that you can go as far as you want to in a straight direction or a sideways direction. I think it's so fun that I gave that to uh, to Durin to be his last name. Nice. Fun. I was going to say Knight because I just like the way Knights move. Ooh, yeah. It's a little different, right? Yeah. yeah. Although, if we're talking Pathfinder action economy, it's technically better to be a bishop because uh, you move faster with diagonals. Oh, yes. Um, we got a question about top five anime titties. We probably shouldn't answer that one. Um, let's see here. Who? Ah, yes. Timely question. Yeah. From Tomite. Who drank the most White Claw at the HLP retreat, and did they pass their fortitude save? It depends on which HLP retreat this is talking about, but... Uh, looks like the 2021. Okay. I don't know who drank the most. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't know who was there. I'm going to say I think that might have been the year that Tim was there. And uh, Tim. That was the year me and Haley got engaged. Oh, yeah. Boy, we drank a lot. At the HLP retreat. Yeah, we drank. Me included. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think we were all pretty wasted by the end of that. Yeah. Let's do this one pretty quick. Team Slurp, Queen Slurp. If you each picked a tattoo for the others, what would you pick for each other and why? Let's just do each other, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's see. What what would I want you to have? (sighs) I would definitely keep it in line with your current trend in tattooing yourself. You've got the undead Tarbifon on one bicep. You've got the Demi Lich on the other. What would be another good? Oh, you know what? Yeah, let's keep it thematic. Let's get you a badass Grave Knight. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, some sort of yeah, hulking armor that you know it's I think you could take some creative liberties with that and have a really cool tattoo that's gonna fit with everything else that you have. Yeah. I could do a cliche and do Star Wars because I already know you want a Star Wars uh, tattoo. That's too but, easy. Um, I think you should get the Book of the Raven on somewhere. <sighs> I think I think if Batumbe makes it all the way, you should get the Book of the Raven with the Raven head and the Phrasm spiral should, on. Should it. I make that commitment now if, if uh I'll I'll say if Matumbe does it clean. If Matumbe dies and comes back, I'm not going to do it. If I make it clean through all six books and don't do your nonsense of not hitting him or whatever, play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Mm -hmm. If Matumbe makes it clean, I will do a Book of the Raven. I think if Matube makes it to the end, you owe him a little. I got to do something. Yeah. Carrying Crown has been such a large part of my life and such a a long part of my life. We've been playing the same campaign for four years, man. Like, yeah, I think that's it's kind of along the lines of like I remember you wanted to get like the Sahedrin or or something similar, like mm-hmm. the the Rune of Lust, because of your characters in the Rune Lords series, because yeah. it's been like you know four years of playing that stuff as well. But yeah, I mean like a show and everything too so it's uh-huh. kind of like hey this character made it all the way yeah memento. i think it'd be something to be proud of something to represent a period in my life that i i believe i will look back on quite fondly when we're done with carry and crown and when i'm old and stuff so yeah sure why not or like you could just get the on your shoulder blade baby the sexy otago <laughs> Get it as a tram stamp, like a mud flap on a truck. Yeah, I'll get a pin up a tago. I'll commission Alex Giordano to make it even sexier. <laughs> hmm. All right. Okay, let's get out of 2020. Let's yeah. Let's get into 2021. Yeah. If you got ones from people that aren't on the Zone of Truth live, that don't get their questions answered as often. Then Ooh, that's a good idea. Because every other time we're answering live questions. You should be there. Join our Patreon. <laughs> okay. He's a patron, but we he usually doesn't join the live shows. Smiggle asks, what celebrity would you like to DM a game for you? That's a good question. 
Yeah. Hmm. I'll know how much he counts as a celebrity because he's on like college humor and stuff and does like D&D stuff. But Brandon Lee Mulligan is a great DM. I would love to be in a game that he runs. Oh, dope. Just like next level, like improv and DM stuff. It'd just be really fun. His Dimension 20 stuff is all just like crazy fun to listen to. But if it was like a celebrity celebrity, I think I think I might have said this in the past or maybe it was like someone I wanted to GM for. Um, but I think Stephen Colbert would like be a killer game master oh especially with like how much he nerds out on like tolkien and stuff and you know he plays so i think that'd be cool i think it'd be cool to have like a comedian like a comedian actor i think would be great i'm gonna completely shot in the dark this and say jason bateman oh yeah he's got a sense of humor that i really click with and he's obviously good at show running considering how much love and effort he put into Ozark which is one of my favorite TV shows I don't think I've seen something that he's been in that I haven't enjoyed or at least enjoyed his performance there's some Mm -hmm. later arrested development stuff that I'm like I could do without but like Jason Bateman always is fun to watch yeah (sighs) all right let's let's find some more that people Florida man asks best beans and why are they daddy's beans? Mm. I think that's a question for you, Griffin. I think that was a bean dad reference from whatever the fuck that whole Twitter debacle was. Uh, Hmm. Best beans. I personally like black beans. I like black bean soup. It's like one of my favorite soups. Um, so oh, I, a black bean is pretty versatile. I know there's a lot of vegetarian like burgers and stuff that do like a black bean patty. I get black beans as my bean choice at uh, Chipotle. Yeah, so, yeah, I think um, I think like baked beans are kind of like one note for me, at least. It's like I, I only want them in one context, but I feel like if I had to have like a one type of beans for my entire life, black beans perform way more roles. Yeah. Okay. Cash. Oh, shit. Kashevna, Kashevna, maybe. Yeah. Think I nailed it. Okay, I, I that's, that's probably as close as I can get. Which Galarian deity slash entity would the players worship IRL? I'll probably just do the two of us for this. Um, what would I? Who would I worship? It seems kind of cliche, and this came up in Malevolence last night too. But like, I don't like 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 a Desna or a Serenray or a Phrasma. Those are all fine choices. Is there anything more interesting? Huh. I mean, Caden, baby. Yeah. Caden's. I mean, Caden's an easy choice just for, just for the rock and roll lifestyle we live. I, yeah, I never really think of Caden Kalian whenever I'm building characters. Um, oh, I like always do. I'm like, am I gonna be a drunk character? Okay, <laughs> that's who I worship. If not, someone uh, else. You know what? Yeah, I think this is just mandatory. We probably all should be doing Caden Kalian. Yeah, I mean, obviously my joke answer would be Balumdar, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, of course, simp for Naticula and Calistria. But I think, like, realistically, we would fall in the line of, like, 90% of other people on Galarian where we, we're not evil, worshiping yeah. evil deities, or we're not, like, you know, I don't know. I'm not nature enough to, like, worship a god of nature. <laughs> like, I'm not crunchy granola enough for that shit. Right. Like, I, I'd like to say I am. Yeah. But, but I, I enjoy my creature comforts. Yeah. Uh, like, by the same token, like, I'm not going to worship like a god of battle or something. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, Iomade, like, or Gorum or something. It's just not what your average person worships. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, like the predominant god of a place, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Exa by the Cantina Steve is asking Mo came really close to buying it and saw was dead. Do you have a plan for a backup, Steve? Well, you've seen my backup character at this point. What I will say, though, on the topic of potentially Matumbe dying again, I think we're close enough to the end and we're going to be seeing potentially, I don't know, but potentially some crossover with neutral interlude characters coming back. I imagine that I would just slot Durin Rook in if, for whatever reason, Matumbe was defeated and completely removed from the game, you know, trapped in a soul gem or, you know, disintegrated or whatever. Um, wished away. Yeah, wished away, something like that. I will say, though, beyond that, I do not have a backup. I think at this point, that would be something that I would have to uh, have the character actually die before I start thinking about a backup. And usually I do have one in mind, but I don't even know where to start coming up with a character that's going to be 
as high level as we are and fit well into the campaign. So truly, I don't want to devote any mental space to that until it actually happens. Yeah, and you're kind of at the point in the campaign where barring extenuating circumstances, like if the if you don't get TPK'd, you're probably able to come back. Yeah, I shouldn't have to worry about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, you think like after five books of an AP, most of the party members are committed enough to be like, uh, if you bring me back, I'll come back and finish this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even Freya, like in talking to Emily, like even Freya would have come back and finished it if, if, if she had the choice. If she had yeah. the choice, yeah. All right. Here's one that's a little bit, uh, a little serious, a little bit more on the business side. Veridox asks, on the business side, how is going to Patreon change the way you look at and run the podcast? I know it's not a recent change, but I'd still love to hear the answer. All right, well, two years later, it's definitely not a recent change. Have you gotten any feedback from listeners that has changed your production, play, planning, etc. in a significant way? Um, I think those are two separate questions that I thought were closer to. I think it's basically one question. Feedback and changes with Patreon. I don't know that we don't run Carrying Crown any differently. No. I think... Uh, we had a goal to do Bestow Curse when we hit a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was like a you use Patreon to fund goals for new free shows. I think. I think maybe something of note is like if we drop down below a thousand and don't go back up, we might have to hit pause on, yeah. on some stuff because yeah. we need this to, at the very least, not cost us money to do. And if we're gonna go to all of the time, care, and effort to put out all the shows that we do, and we also have to pay a bunch of money to make that happen, then shit's going to get scaled back. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not, none of us are making money on this. (laughs) That's been the deal the entire time, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a goal, but like going back on the goal, like certainly does mean, hey, we needed this much to do this. So until we get there again, you know? But I think it's allowed us to set other goals as well. Like we have future show and frequency goals out there on Patreon. I think we've got a lot of good feedback for Linked Legacy, but yeah. um, but you know we've changed that around as well. Like going from our normal thirty-two page adventure to a sixty-four page two E adventure with malevolence. We've gotten good feedback that that was a positive change for people. At least in the sense that, like, all the new people that came to us from Bestow Curse were psyched to hear another 2E show. That's not to say we won't, you know, ever do 1E again on Link Legacy. It's just some changes like that ended up being good for us. But it's also changed just like, you know, we've had to scale back frequency of some things and add other things just based off of, like, we used to do Drunken Discord only, like, every other week. That was just really tough. Yeah, it was just hard. You definitely get more of us participating if it's monthly instead of every other week because it just mm-hmm. became like, okay, we're trying to schedule five adults two weekends a month to basically be like, yeah, okay, your weekend's over. You're getting boisterously drunk on Saturday night. It's going to ruin your Sunday. Yeah, we scaling that back to once a month has you know allowed us to be a little bit more flexible in other places. When we were doing it every other week i mean that, that was really difficult we all have friends that are not around this gaming table and that right. we want to you know visit or want them to come visit we have family i don't think any of us have family that lives in town so like that's a weekend if i'm trying to go back to chicago or you're trying to go back to philly or they're coming here like it was very difficult to keep up because you know you're giving up every other weekend to do it and so yeah it, it became difficult it's so it's not I, to and say I think we it was don't a, give a up weekends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we still, you and I at least give up another weekend for Zone of Truth Live. For sure. For, at least for that, it's like you're not getting completely blitzed and you're not giving up your entire evening. E- effectively, you're giving up your Sunday too, right? Because that, that's how Drunken Discordly really, yeah. yeah, that's how Drunken Discordly really feels sometimes because it's just like, all right, we're definitely in this till midnight getting drunk. So. <laughs> I don't know. On top of all of that, I don't think we really receive a ton of feedback on the Patreon, to be honest. We would certainly accept more feedback. We just kind of change tier benefits and stuff to go with the gist of like what we see people talking about on the Discord potentially, or what just seems like in our peer set, like a good benefit at that level. Mm-hmm. But we haven't like run polls or anything that are like, how's your Patreon experience? 
I hope it's good yeah. if you do pay, but I feel like the big draw to the Patreon is the extra show and all the extra stuff is just kind of like, hey, come hang out with us or hey, have some merch or hey, play a game with us, you know? Yeah, and we're always looking for more feedback. Like, don't be a dick about it. Just be nice. We'll take any feedback that we can get and we want to make the content that you want to hear and the content that we want to put out. So if those two things aren't perfectly aligned, let's figure it out together. Let's do that. Griff, we've got a couple more episodes of the podcast to record today, and I think we're coming up on time. So I want to go out on a question that I think is quite timely. Um, This is directed at me. This is from Commodore. Phrasma saves, how did your body react to that ancient car beer? Now, for reference, this was the couple year old PBR that I drank, I think on episode 50. And I'll say better than it did for this fucking Paloma sesh. Yeah. I feel bad and I'm not done with this. And I took that like a champ. How are you doing, Griff? (sighs) These are really bad. I think I'm going to have to like go downstairs and drink something really good to kickstart these next two episodes of Bestow Curse we got to play. Because these are rough, man. These are like really, really, really bad. I just took a sip of the spearmint one. I wish they left out the lime. Like, yeah, as shitty as it is, just give me a mint seltzer at that point. Like, fuck, it's bad. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps up all the time that we have for today. I've highlighted all of the questions that we ran through. I'll get them off the sheet. We're still going to have several, several pages of questions left. Keep the questions coming. We'll have to do this again sometime, Griff, and clean them out. I don't know that we have a ton of wrap-up and housekeeping to do today. One thing that I will say is that our very, very good friend of the show, Steve Geddes, boosted our server on Discord a lot. Huge thanks. So yeah, that, thanks, buddy. that unlocked a whole bunch of really cool stuff for him, or, or for him, for all of us who participate in that server. One of the benefits being that we have a custom URL that'll take you right to our Discord if you're not familiar with it. So if you type into your browser, discord.gg slash hideous laughter, that will take you straight to our Discord. If you're not on there already, that's where you're gonna find us doing live zone of truths. That's where you're gonna find us doing drunkenness quarterly. That's where you're gonna find us doing community nights most of the time, hanging out, shooting the shit during the day that's where you can get in contact with us. And if you don't like really want to talk to us that bad, it's just a cool place to see like cool Pathfinder news or talk to other people about like cool movies and games and shit. Like there's a lot going on there. It's a pretty pop in discord. Yeah. And honestly, it's the best way to be on top of any of our news or like, you know, you have our ear in there more so than I would say on any other social media because we're very active in there. So if you have, opinions and you want us to hear them that's probably the best place to go absolutely all right griff well let's call this one an episode you succeeded your will save made it out of the zone of truth yeah finish your drink at your own pace (laughs) we'll see in two weeks later